Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You don't have to look far these days to find people shouting at each other, holding extreme viewpoints, and feeling more and more separate from each other. So how can we create meaningful conversation based on trust and mutual respect, even when we disagree? Author and teacher Oren J. Sofer is here to share some tools for mindful communication. He brings together the wisdom of contemplative practice, trauma-informed healing, and the powerful practice of nonviolent communication. Are you ready to meet him? Oren J. Sofer teaches meditation and communication retreats and workshops nationally. A member of the Spirit Rock Teachers Council, he's a certified trainer of nonviolent communication, a course trainer at Mindful Schools, and a somatic experiencing practitioner for the healing of trauma. Oren is the author of the new book, Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication. And you can find out more about Oren and everything he's doing at orenjsofer.com. Oren, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hey, Karen, thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you for being here. And I think it's such an important time. I um, saw my my oldest boy is now out of high school. My youngest son's a sophomore in high school. I got him up, got him out the door this morning and sat down and flipped on the TV and there was yelling. And so I flipped to another channel and there was yelling kind of from another side. And it just my morning cup of tea, which is usually this lovely sort of relaxing experience, I felt surrounded by yelling. So how can we bring ourselves to be present to be aware when we're all of us being so horrible to each other? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, hopefully all of us aren't being that horrible to one another. Um, certainly, um, certainly some of your listeners, I'm sure, share uh, the concern around the, the disintegration of dialogue in, uh, in our society and are longing for actually seeing more uh, civil discourse. So uh, I think the first thing is just recognizing uh, presence and awareness and respect as a value, right? Actually just acknowledging that uh, we have this capacity as human beings and uh, that we can bring it forth, that when we hold it as a value and um, are willing to acknowledge that, that in and of itself is a step in the right direction. And then it's about using specific tools to learn how to strengthen that capacity to stay present and grounded and connected to those values, even in the face of challenging speech, um, you know, uh, yelling, strong attacks, and, and so forth. And there's a, there are a range of tools that I, that I teach to help us to do this. Um, one of the one of the most useful is just the capacity to pause, and it's so simple uh, and yet very very powerful. And it's something that we often forget that we can actually do. Just to take a breath, just to take half a breath, that we don't always need to respond right away. 
and that that half a breath can make the difference between snapping, um, throwing that angry statement right back at somebody else and just adding fuel to the fire and having a more considered response, actually slowly beginning to sow the seeds for more respect and understanding, which which are the conditions that are required for dialogue. So, so training ourselves to not always be so quick to respond or online to hit send on the email or to jump into a, um, a conversation on social media, having that ability to just restrain that reactivity for a moment and, and wait to see, okay, what's actually going to be helpful here? So this is one major, uh, major tool for bringing more awareness and uh, clarity and presence into our conversations. I'll share there there are many others. I'll share just one more for the moment here on the on the show. and and that is our body is a, a tremendous resource for awareness because the mind moves a thousand miles an hour. It can go so quickly and jump from one thing to the next, from a judgment to a reaction to an emotion. And the body all the while is right here, present on the earth going at its own pace. And so if we can bring our attention into the body to actually feel its weight or the warmth in our hands or our feet on the ground, that starts to give our nervous system some place to resource and ground in the face of whether it's strong fear or anger or reactivity to not get pushed around by those reactions. So those are two very simple tools that people can start to use just today to uh, bring more mindfulness and awareness into conversations. And I'm feeling as you're saying that just the deeper resonance there to all parts of our spiritual journey. I believe that our our lives, our paths of, as we live them, there's a divine communication that's going on, right? That we live in response to and in um, breath with and in kind of synchronicity with divine will and divine light moving through us. And because so much in the outer world seems to reward going faster, being there first, being the first one to hit that send button, getting to it before somebody else, don't be in your body instead, be in your text messages or in your whatever it is. The things that you're saying are ringing a a deeper bell with me too Mm -hmm. about like, how are we present in, how do we show up for our own lives? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I taught, um, one of the things I do is I teach these retreats where we, we do meditation practice and communication and interpersonal practice. And we go back and forth to help sort of integrate the two so that it's our life is more of one piece. And at one retreat, this one uh, older gentleman at the end of the retreat was sharing, everyone was sharing, you know, something that they learned, something they're taking away. And this one man, he said, you know, what I'm taking away is that I realize that my wife is the person I talk to the most, but talk with the least. Mm. And there's that recognition that, you know, this isn't just about not being reactive um, or being more present for ourselves. It's actually waking up to our life and, and being being present to the human being that's in front of us. A dialogue requires the recognition that there are two people here. You know, that, that sense of mutuality. And so the more aware we are of ourself, kind of paradoxically, the more available we are for somebody else. 
the more aware we are of ourselves, the more available we can be for someone else. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful, and especially I'm I'm thinking about the ways you you say we've all had communication training. It's largely unconscious and unintentional, the training we've had. And when I'm thinking of some of the ways, especially women are taught to communicate, you, you are like present for the other person, but present for their needs or present for their agenda or their awareness or their whatever. And we hold ourselves yeah. back in our right. power and how interesting that is to, to think about the maybe what's on the unconscious things that we learn that all of us carry that come out in situations where we're challenged, but we might not be aware of where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the ways we can become aware of those unconscious patterns and maybe start to gently untangle them? Yeah. Thank you, Karen. So, um, Again, just just the the curiosity, the genuineness of wanting to look at our communication and to see how am I communicating? So there are different ways of doing this. One is to reflect on the experiences that we had earlier in life, in our family, um, in our community, the different communities we belong to, whether it's a religious community or a neighborhood or a cultural community. Um, or at school, what, what were the what were the examples that were around us, both implicitly and explicitly? So, how did our parents or the adults around us when we were kids um, relate to their emotions? How did they um, how did they relate to having needs? Right, where as you point to kind of some of the classical cultural conditioning of you know those who are socialized uh, to be men uh, versus those who are socialized to be women. Um, having different relationships with their needs and uh, also having different relationships with their emotions. So looking at the examples that were around us when we grew up, how did our mother, our father, our caregiver um, behave and relate and speak? Uh, How did they deal with conflict? How did they handle other people's requests or needs? How did they relate to their own needs? Did they even recognize that they had needs? So this is one way to start to become aware of our patterns is to look back at the milieu in which we were raised and the kinds of imprints that were made on our mind and our habits. Um, The other is to look at the ways we're relating today. So to start to examine um, where are there relationships that flow? You know, where do we feel comfortable and at ease and connected? And then really say, okay, well, what's going on there? How, how, what are the conditions in those relationships? Oh, I feel safe. Um, we, we, we take turns. There's space for both of us. If something, if we disagree about something, we're able to talk about it. So there's trust. We start to identify what are those conditions that allow me to engage in a way that works for me. And then start to look at the other relationships and conversations in our lives and see, okay, what's different? What's going on there? Like, oh, I I don't feel safe with this person. Or, oh, you know, when someone has more power than me, my boss, my conditioning is to disappear. You know, oh, that's how I've learned to ensure that I'll keep my job or I'll be liked or I'll get the approval. So we start to compare the different relationships and conversations in our life and through investigating, through looking closely, can can tease apart 
some of the different patterns and conditioning that's there. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Oren J. Sofer. His new book is Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication. So as we show up and we're present and we are taking that pause, we're breathing into that space, we're feeling the weight of our body, our being in the, in the conversation, we are aware of our old habits and the places where we, we become reactive. What is the value of our intention in the mm-hmm. conversation? Because there's, there are all kinds of ways to show up to the conversation. What is the value of our intention and how can, maybe even when it's not mutual, how can we be present with that, I, I, right, maybe it's the wrong thing to say, with the proper sort of intention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, with an intention that's going to be helpful, right? With an intention mm-hmm. that's actually going to move the conversation and the relationship forward. Right. So um, you, you're pointing to one of the most powerful and transformative ingredients in, in a conversation uh, and that our, our intention, because so much of our communication is nonverbal. It's not really about the words that we're saying. It's about where we're coming from. You know, we when what someone is saying doesn't match their tone of voice, their body language, their gestures, their facial expressions, we intuitively trust that nonverbal communication more. The, that nonverbal communication reveals what's actually true in the heart and the mind. And so everything that's shaping that nonverbal communication is our intention. Hmm. So where we're coming from sort of sets the stage for being able to build trust and um, begin to hear one another more more clearly. And a lot of our default conditioning, as we were just talking about, based our, our society relates to difference in pretty dysfunctional ways. The the basic paradigm is uh, war, that the, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And uh, therefore, we know which side of that we want to be on. And so all sorts of intentions arise around the expectations and experiences we've had when there's a disagreement of win-lose, defend myself, protect myself, blame, attack, judge. And those kinds of intentions place us in an adversarial relationship with one another. And then it's me against you, and there's only one possible outcome, and it's one of us gets what we want, and the other one doesn't. And this is whether we're talking about two individuals, two groups, two nations, it's the same pattern playing out. So the shift here is to start to recognize that there's another way of being, that there's another way uh, of engaging, that if we can actually get curious, if we can be genuinely interested in understanding one another and working together creatively, it starts to transform the whole atmosphere. If you and I are having some kind of a disagreement, and instead of just vying for what I want, I show genuine interest in your perspective. I'd really like to understand where you're coming from, Karen. I really want to understand what's important to you here so that we can find something that works. You you now no longer need to be so rigidly defensive of your position because I'm not trying to steamroll you. Mm-hmm. So there's space to actually begin to hear one another. And then what happens is that conflict shifts from um, 
from this kind of adversarial opposition to a problem that we're both looking at together. We can actually brainstorm. Now we're just looking at, okay, these are all the different considerations and variables that we're actually holding here. How do we figure this out? It becomes a puzzle that we're both working on. And it becomes, it's creative instead of destructive, or as you say, heading everything heads toward that one outcome where I win or you win, but somebody's going down. I knew a woman in, in college and she was very smart and very beautiful. And I really wanted her to like me. And I wanted her to think that I was smart and beautiful. Her way of discussion though, was for every issue or thought or anything, whether it's theology or politics or anything, it was always an argument and always what she called a debate, but felt more to me like yelling. And I would say, wait, wait, I'm uncomfortable with this. I feel like you're trying to fight with me about this. And I'm just trying. And she would say, no, no, this is what's the matter with you. This is fun. This is how we have. This is what a discussion is. This is how, you know, intelligent people speak to each other. And eventually I had to kind of pull my energy back from her because what she was calling discussion felt more to me like sort of somebody hitting me in the face with a rock over over and over. It wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. Right. And so in a situation where maybe one person is enjoying the conflict, not from any mean motive or anything, but one person is enjoying that conflict and the other one is not, what's the right way to proceed so that we can be, I mean, it is nonviolent communication after all. Yeah, so I think what you're pointing to is something very, very important, which is the fact that we have different expectations and um, different styles of communication. And some of these fall along cultural lines. Um, some of them just fall more along personal preference. Um, and, and how do we actually start to navigate that those, those differences in a conversation? Um, I think one one really important aspect is recognizing that um, if we're genuinely interested in hearing one another, uh, that there's going to be a need for, for, for both people to work together to, to find that common ground of being able to hear one another and um, to, to be able to express not only our interest in the conversation, but also to express clearly the ways that that work for us uh, and and to not make the other person wrong for their way of of speaking. And and there's a there's a key difference. The kind of situation you're talking about is very different from, uh, say, someone being abusive verbally. Right. 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 Um, There's the kind of the response is not like, oh, like, let's, you know, like, I recognize your way of speaking is different. It's, it's more, you know, like I need respect and kindness in my in myself and for the people around me and the people that I love and the way you're speaking to me is not okay with me. And sometimes we need to set a limit and actually say, look, if we're going to have this conversation, I need to I need us to be able to have it in a different way. And sometimes taking a break from the conversation is what is what's needed. But if it's more of a difference in style, Um, then I think one of the things that's important is to actually start to check out the assumptions that we're making, right? Because what for one person is yelling for another person is being passionate and engaged. And so, and so some of the, some of the disconnect are the assumptions and the interpretations that we're making. Like when you raise your voice, I start to feel scared because I think that you're angry at me. 
And so to check that out with the other person is, no, I'm not angry. I'm just really excited and passionate about this. You know, and then to start to actually recognize, oh, okay, so you're feeling really passionate. Well, you know, for me, in my culture and the family I grew up, when people raise their voice, it's because they're angry. So I'd like to be able to continue this conversation. And it's very hard for me to do that because of my conditioning and my nervous system get kind of shuts down when you raise your voice. Would you be willing to try to work with me a little and slow down or lower the volume of your voice? That would help me to really be able to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So, so we start to work a little bit to actually honor where we're both coming from uh, and find a way to, to meet in the middle if possible. That's, it's beautiful. And it's a very, um, it it feels like a very sane and authentic way of bringing space into it. At least for me, in my experience of the conversation, it was like um, something getting closer and closer and closer to me. Right. So what to me felt threatening, even though she had no ill will, um, it's a way what you just said, put some space and some sanity in yes. that in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the skill of it is is to be able to acknowledge and recognize um, what the where the other person's coming from, and to be able to speak openly and honestly about our own needs, our own values, what what's important to us, without blaming the other person. When we can identify what actually matters to us and what's important to us, we don't need to blame the other person because we can simply just point it out and say, hey, here, here's what I'm really wanting. Here's what I'm hoping for. How would this be for you? And then it's an invitation to actually work together. You've said that all judgment and all violence are tragic expressions of our unmet needs. And as I go back, I know we've only got a couple minutes left together, but as I go back to me sitting and flicking through the channels this morning, um, what are, in, in your opinion, the needs that we are crying out to have met that are not being met in the current way that we talk to each other, interact with each other? Yeah. Well, so, um, so I was uh, quoting Marshall Rosenberg, um, so that that quote actually comes from Marshall Rosenberg, who's the founder of nonviolent communication. Uh, all judgment and violence is a tragic expression of our own unmet needs. And I, I think that there are a lot of different ones, and it depends on the context. But it's ironic, you know. I think that um, I think some of the needs are the need to be heard and the need to be understood that when we don't feel heard or understood, the response is to actually sometimes get louder <laughs> with, with, the, with the backwards assumption that if I just raise my voice, other people will listen. So that, that, that's one very common need that's at the heart of that, that pressure behind when we speak. I think another really important need that's there when we raise our voice is a need for agency and a need for, um, for power that um, particularly, you know, when there's, when we, when we feel uh, any sense of helplessness or like we don't have recourse to action, that we don't have the resources we need to look after ourselves, our families, our communities, that um, that can then express itself as um, a very, very, very strong uh, verbalization and speech. Um, I think there's also a need for community. 
that's often met. So, you know, sometimes like if you turn on different, uh, you know, extremist uh, channels, whatever you're looking at, whether it's religion or politics and right, left, any side, the intensity of the the opinions, some of that is just actually about connecting. It's actually about uniting with people who agree with us against a common enemy, and this is what's so divisive in our in our uh, in the public discourse is that the vehemence and the the intensity is in some ways I think a desire for community and connection and belonging, saying like we are the good guys and we're against them. And so, so it's it, again. There could be a lot going on, but those are some of the the most uh, important ones that come to my mind. Oren, for listeners who want to connect with you and find out more about your work, I know you are offering a free guided meditation series and an ebook. How can they find you and connect with you? Yeah, Karen. So um, the best way to do that is either to go to my website, orangejsofer.com, or right from your from your phone, you can send a text message to sign up for my email list and get the free guided meditations and ebook. And the way to do that is to just send a text to the number 44222 and put the word guided, G-U-I-D-E-D, in that text message. So just text the word guided to 44222 and it'll walk you through all the steps. That is okay. That's very cool. I've never um, seen an email sign up thing like that before. So that's so. If you get a text in a minute, that's me um, signing up, <laughs> signing up for your email list. Um, <laughs> Oren, thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure, Karen. Thanks for having me. That's Oren J. Sofer. His new book is "Say What You Mean: A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication." You can find out more about Oren and his work at orenjsofer.com. To get that free guided meditation series and that short ebook, you just send a text to four four two 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 with the word guided in the body of the message to sign up for that. And of course you can always check out KarenHager.com. It's a great place to find out upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session if you are so inclined. And if you believe as I do that when we put our collective intention on change, on peace, on community, to getting some of those unmet needs met by focusing on what is good, what is true, what is real. If you believe that when we do that, things can change, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. You can sign up there for the free monthly guided meditation experience. That's 15 minutes once a month with callers from all over the world where we come together to put our focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.